Some men do say King Arthur is not dead, but by the will of our Lord Jesus sleeps, yet to awake, deathless and reassure us, and therefore is it that grave where he is laid, this legend hath that still his kingdom keeps. Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosier. And this is Still His Kingdom Keeps, a creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I are covering every single episode of the TV show Merlin, first aired on the BBC. And we're back with the season one finale. Chris, how are you today? I'm very excited to talk about this episode. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. It uh it, it this is a good episode. Um my this only is a great episode. My only complaint about this episode is uh my complaint about TV in general sometimes. So I can't really even complain. It's not even I can't even lay this at the feet <laughs> of Merlin. I just want people to that when they die, I want them to stay dead. I want there yeah. to be real yeah, consequences yeah. and uh nothing ever does in TV because that's not the way that TV works. So yeah, um, this one uh this one pulls a lot of those those tricks um all throughout. I want to real quick say thank you to our patrons uh, over at patreon.com slash monster of the week for uh, donating monthly to us and uh, keeping the podcast going, I guess. Uh, they get all kinds of good benefits. Recently, Chris, on last week's episode, um, mm-hmm. or the early release of last week's episode, which I uh, almost forgot to edit um, and then very hastily edited and then uploaded. And then while I was waiting to upload, I would write. Usually I just write a little funny little thing to go with it so for our patrons, you know, just something, you know, amusing. And I was yeah. literally just typing the most boring things in the world. Uh, so I asked all of our faithful patrons to tell me their funniest joke. Okay. Are you, are you ready for the first response? Hit me. This comes from Olivia, last name redacted. Why don't seagulls live in the bay? Why? Why not? Because then they'd be bagels. Okay. Thank you, Olivia. For, if you want to, pretty good. It's pretty good. If you want us to read your joke on the on the air, then uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Monster of the Week. <laughs> Donate and do so. Pretty good, Olivia. Pretty good. Pretty good. Chris, what's been happening in Merlin? 
Oh, last time I'm okay. Time for the time for jokes has passed. Last time I'm Merlin, <laughs> after unwittingly aiding a sorcerer, Gwen's father Tom was arrested and later executed on Uther's orders. Unable to overlook this betrayal, Morgana wrestled with her anger towards Uther and the loss of her own father when she was young, at last resolving to end the king's life. But when Merlin catches wind of her plan, he's faced with yet another moral dilemma. While the dragon advised that Uther should die so that Arthur could be king, it was Gwen's kind words that finally pushed Merlin to try and stop Morgana. But in the end, it was Morgana herself who changed her mind, finding for a time some last bond between herself and Uther. This week we're covering Merlin, season one, episode thirteen, Le Mort d'Arthur. Oh, the death of the author, Chris—the thing that lets you, you know, read stuff by the guy that, even though he's bad now, that's what that actually. No, it's just the death of Arthur, the guy that we yeah. talk about yeah. in this episode. This that's was written by Julia Jones, directed by mm-hmm. David Moore, and broadcast on December thirteenth of two thousand eight. Gaius is troubled over sightings in Camelot of a questing beast, a creature conjured from the nightmares of a long dead king. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know okay. what that was about, but um, do you know? Not to interrupt immediately, but uh-huh. do you know what I think the questing beast, what that like is, because I think that's in well, it's in old stories, certainly. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's in Canterbury Tales or if it's just King Arthur, but I'm pretty sure the questing beast is is believed to just be like a giraffe. <laughs> yeah, my only experience so- is from um, the books of called the Magicians, um, which is what people always refer to when they're like it's adult harry potter and it's it's not really um it's just a, a, a different it's i mean it's just a, a dude writing about you know magic kids that go to magic school it's nothing like harry potter whatsoever um anyway they talk about the questing beast and i think that's my, my only direct experience with the questing yeah. beast before it's just really funny to imagine these like ye olden camelot knights going off to fight this strange beast and it's just a fucking giraffe <laughs> Yeah, it's just a really, really tall giraffe. That a giraffe was, swinging that big old freaky head around. A creature conjured from the nightmares of a long dead king. I, that's, I mm. mean, that's not mentioned anywhere in this episode. Uh, but it certainly it, isn't. And it's one of the most evocative details of this episode. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, uh, not only is its spite fatal, but it is feared as an omen of impending doom. Friendship, okay. loyalty, and love are all tested to the limit as Merlin is forced to choose between those he loves most in the world. How far is the young sorcerer prepared to go to protect his destiny, and what will he have to sacrifice? Damn. They really put Merlin through it in this one. <laughs> yeah, they for the last few episodes, Merlin's had to make like some big some big boy decisions, and I kind of feel like Merlin is not a big boy just yet. Like he's growing. Don't get me wrong. He's growing. He's growing, he's growing. And I think he 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 does he has quite a lot of growth by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh but I also like I just don't think he's wearing big boy pants yet. He's still in little boy pants. <laughs> Although, you know, when I think about it, I, I think it is I guess it's smart from a writing perspective because he's he's kind of OP. He's pretty overpowered. He's yeah. a really strong uh-huh. guy, and but he has to have you know these things holding him back. Of course, if he uses his magic in front of anyone, he's in big trouble. So that's number one why he can't just be super overpowered all the time. Um, but number two, the thing that they do is they they give him choices that it's it's more than just you can use magic or you can't use magic um they're really like stretching those moral dilemmas out on him and making him have to think Mm -hmm. about things where sometimes it doesn't matter if he has magic or not it's it's just a choice that he has to make and i think that that's good for the growth of your magical protagonist yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's it's good shit 
right? Like, I mean, this is what we're here for. I just, I really just... If he, if he solved every problem by just, like, doing a big fireball, that that would be a totally different kind of show. And he'd be, yeah. much, be a much shallower character. That's, that's called Wizards of Waverly Place, and you can find it on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. <laughs> don't, hey, guys, don't come at me. I've never seen that show, okay? I just, just please don't come at me after that. I just, one that of, was... I went to visit <laughs> one of my friends after I moved back to Louisiana, um, and he was married and um, had had his first kid, and his kid was like watching Disney or whatever. Uh, and he was like, and he, th- that show was on it. I was like, dude, what are you watching? He's like, I don't know. All of these people are idiots. I don't know what this is. I hope my son isn't, isn't ruined from it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Don't change the <laughs> okay, channel or anything. Right. But Wizard, Wizards of Waverly Place was after my time. I grew up watching like Boy Meets World on Disney Channel. Okay. I watched mm-hmm. a little bit of like, I'd see Hannah Montana on my TV when I was like mm-hmm. 15. And then I was like, I don't, I'm not going to watch the Disney Channel anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> so Wiz, Wizards of Waverly Place was beyond me. I play, I play Resident Evil. I don't watch disney yeah i'm kind of a big boy pretty pretty got my big boy pants on doing big boy (laughs) things just like merlin what are we talking about Uh, so the show the episode starts uh arthur and his knights are creeping through the forest uh obviously in a hunt uh merlin i love all of like this the the kind of subtle relatively subtle stuff they do with merlin just like everybody else is creeping walking like real slow and merlin is just walking directly into the path of some bushes like he's kind of gets all tangled up and then <laughs> yeah. almost hits arthur with his own spear and then arthur calls him like extremely irritating it's, um, it's weird that merlin is also the comic relief character yeah yeah for, he's carrying all of this drama weight and then also has to make a joke every once in a while um <laughs> They begin to hear no- noises in the distance, and then this beast pops out. I called it a chimera in my notes. That's probably not what a chimera looks like. I'm getting all of my fantasy creatures confused nowadays. But uh, Lord, Lord makes up. I didn't know what to call it. I just called it a a, a beast or a monster. But this uh, is and then th- I called it a, a questing beast. And this and then is I a questing beast. Uh, AKA the giraffe. Um, everybody, just imagine this scene, but it's a giraffe. <laughs> it's basically a, a big lizard with large teeth. Right? Yeah. Like, that's pretty much the gist, yeah. right? Like, there's no, there's no, like, it doesn't have, like, the, the legs of an ostrich and the, the head of a lion or anything, right? Like, we're not. It's just like a, it's just a spooky beast, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, and it doesn't really seem to be questing either. It's just, I mean, I know where, you know, words can mean different things. I'm just saying, it doesn't seem yeah. like it's on a quest. Just let's figure it out. Figure it out, questing beast. You're, you're, <laughs> you're all over the place. Um, so they, they see this thing, and um, as soon as they see it, they're like, let's fucking run, which is out of character, if you ask me, but also very smart. <laughs> um, of course, Merlin falls, because he's got to fall. The main character always has to fall down. Arthur and another knight, Bedivere, come back, and they pick him up. And while Merlin and Arthur run off, it seems that Bedivere did not get away. Now, I always nope. thought that Bedivere was a bit more important in Arthurian lore. Maybe I'm confusing him with one of those other guys, but this guy, he does not make it. Bedivere? More like Dedivere. Am I right, Chris? Yeah. Nailed it. Yo. Nailed it. Forget this guy. Dedivere? Um, Okay, that's the name of this episode. (laughs) We get our intro and then we go back to Camelot uh, where Gaius is immediately named this a questing beast. And I'm like, how? How? It's a giant lizard with legs. Like what makes... He pulls up his book and it's just a picture of a giraffe. Yeah, I mean, like, what makes you think... I can't get over that. I, I learned that like two months ago and it's just been in my brain ever since <laughs> um gaius thinks it's a questing beast uh uther 
is uh, very dismissive of the potential magic qualities of it. Like Gaius is saying, it's a sign of great upheaval. It could mean that there's trouble ahead. And Uther's like, it's just a giant monster scaring the kids. Like we just got to. It's just a giraffe. It's just a giraffe. It is literally just a giraffe. What are we doing? There's a zoo eight miles down the road. And it's, you know. (laughs) It's right next to the labyrinth. It's right next to. You pass the labyrinth on your way to the zoo. Like what do you. Why haven't you guys seen a giraffe? If you're at the labyrinth. Sire, I only just became a Freeman like five episodes ago. <laughs> I'm just I've only now been allowed to go to zoos. Uther's like it's if you're at the zoo-less. if you're at the labyrinth, look up the next the next stick up. You can just see them. They're just right there. The questing beast all over right the place. There. Come on, man. Uh, he assigns Arthur the task of tracking down the giraffe and killing it. Uh, mm-hmm. And as everybody leaves, Uther is like, "Hey, do you remember the last time the questing beast showed up? It was when your wife died." And Uther's like, "I promise, you promise never to mention that." <laughs> Dude, Uther. He says, because you know, guys is warning him, like, "Hey, this is this is an ill omen, and and uh, you know, it's a it's a sign of of the old religion or something." And Uther says, "I have conquered the old religion. Its warnings mean nothing to me now." And you know, Ooh. Uther gets a bad rap, but that was a hard as nails. It's, it's extremely cool. It's extremely cool. <laughs> like if he if he was riding around on a dragon instead of having a dragon chained up, like that would be a yeah. dope line. Uh, like if this cooler. was Theoden King instead of King <laughs> Uther, that would have been King, a really funny would have been cool really thing to say. <laughs> dude. I'll give you credit. If this was fucking Denethor, that would be a pretty hard yeah. line. Yeah, with, with, with Uther, it's a uh, you know whatever. Um. Gaius is later telling Merlin about the beast uh, and says that it contains the power of life and death, uh, that it can it can kill with one bite, one bite only, and there's no cure for it. Um, and then we see kind of this montage of uh, Camelot at night and under the, under like a stormy sky. We see the dragon screaming, the questing beast. We see Arthur. We see all of these different things. And then Morgana wakes up screaming. Um, yeah, terrified from this nightmare that she's having. And which... we've seen her wake, wake, you know, from a nightmare before. We wake with the start. This episode like really ratchets it up. Like she's like straight screaming, yeah. and she is like disheveled and out of sorts the entire episode. It's it's very distressing as a Morgana fan, uh, and we'll get mm-hmm. to the like the most egregious part that I I feel the need to call out. But um, here, Gwen just rushes in and gives her a big hug and is like holding her, trying to calm her down and everything. Um, and we don't really get a lot of it. Uh, oh no, actually, I'm sorry. This is this is the next scene. This is what I this is what I hate. I'm sorry. I, f- I forgot that that comes this soon. Uh, the next morning, Arthur is giving like a pep talk to his knights, and he goes through this this long speech of you know you're the bravest knights of Camelot, where we will succeed, and you know not a single citizen of Camelot will ever die. And they're like, sir, we're not. You have to have a democracy for citizens. We're not. We're just all serfs. Yeah. They're all just serfs. We're, yeah. we're just we're employees. You guys are not even employees. None of these people get paid. They just kind of toil for your That's service. So true. like, there's no. Yeah. You can't really call them citizens at that point. Like, we have no rights. There's no. Yeah. And Arthur's like, we're really getting far afield from what I'm trying to tell you about the questing yeah, beast. We gotta go kill a giraffe. Can you please focus, boys. <laughs> uh, but it is it is a rousing speech, and at the end, he says, "For the love of Camelot," raises a sword, and all of the knights call it back to him, which is a good moment. Um, and then Morgana, having just woken from this dream, extremely distressed, runs out yelling and screaming uh, for Arthur, uh, who immediately just kind of brushes her off totally as a crazy person. Um, and it mm-hmm. feels really, really awful in the moment because here's Morgana, like uh, terrified of for his life, and she comes out and like she's 
like I said, distressed. So Arthur is just like, oh, here's this crazy lady. Like, get her away. Like, guards go mm-hmm. inside. Like, take her away. And even Merlin jumps in and is like, don't worry, sire. I'll take care of the crazy lady. And, like, hands her off to some guards. And, like, she's screaming and crying the entire time. And it's just really... It's, it's not. It's not my thing. The, the, <laughs> I'm, I am mad part, at it. The part here that I always, um, and I've said this before with stuff with Morgana, where when Merlin's like, "Let me take care of her," uh, and he steps away with her for two seconds, and then he says um, that he promises to keep Arthur safe. But Merlin knows he doesn't. I mean, I, maybe he doesn't exactly know, but he knows something's going on with her. I can't remember if he knows that she has visions. I feel like Gaius has told him. Yeah. Um, like he knows what she's going through. And if he could even just say, like, hey, I know it's going to be okay, surely that would draw suspicion on him. But if he said that to her, she's not going to be like, uh-huh, I'm turning you into Uther. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just it, – it is it is a shame yeah. because we know, we as the audience know, but as far as Arthur knows, she just has bad dreams and Gaius gives her medication for it. Like, that's mm-hmm. his entire perception of it. Um so it's it's a shame because this is the most distraught we ever have seen her, and she just gets you know dragged away again. And it does feel like these visions are so intense that they are kind of putting her out of her right mind. This isn't just her upset. This is her like really pushed to the to the edge because the magical information that is you know <laughs> she is receiving is really doing a number on her. Well, imagine. You know, it's it's a contrast between what we see with Merlin growing up, where mm-hmm. obviously he he sh- he displayed his magic to his mother at some point. His mother understood what was going on, and it, it, his mother was clear headed enough to be like, "Hey, you can't do any of that." But I but I still love you. You're still my child, right? Morgana, separated from her parents in a kingdom that despises magic, has absolutely no support for anyone who believes in it, or at least that's what she thinks. I think I really do think Merlin would. Either I think Merlin should like help her more because uh, he knows that something is up, but maybe not the whole thing. But like, I think that Gaius, Gaius should help really her more. should be the one to be like, "Hey, you're having these things. You need to like work on this. Like, this is going to be something that you have to adapt." Instead of just giving her fucking sleeping potions and hoping the problem goes away. And I guess it's it's probably more a failing of the show than it is of like the character specifically. Of course, they're sort of one and the same. Um, but it does feel like guys should have more of a responsibility, especially with how wonderful he is to Merlin so much of the time. It's like there is this other person dealing with this thing. And I get it from from guys's point of view. It's probably just supposed to be like she's too close to Uther. We cannot let this develop or he'll kill her. Yeah. And so he probably thinks he's doing the right thing. But of course, as viewers, it's it can be it can be frustrating to to watch because. Her and and, uh, and Merlin are two sides of the same coin. Exactly, and, yeah. and they're being treated very differently. And it, it is a shame to see, you know, what what nurturing or or not can do to someone. Can do, yeah. The the separation is uh, like the 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 two characters, you know, evolving along those two different paths is is really interesting, right? Like, I just I still think about like Merlin. He has his mother. He had his friend back at the village. He has Gaius. He has the dragon. Like he's got people that know who he is and understand who he is versus Morgana who doesn't even know what she is, right? Like she doesn't have a, a dragon telling her she has a destiny. She doesn't have anybody telling her she's magic. She just has somebody telling her that she's a fucking crazy person. She has weird dreams. She needs to take sleeping 
potions all the time and Uther is insane like she she lives with an insane person <laughs> it can't be str- it can't be stress free chris is all i'm saying yeah. this is this is not a chill it's, time it's, it's, at Camelot. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a high intensity situation um anyway let's go kill a giraffe the um <laughs> arthur and the boys they head out and they um stalk through the woods they find the the creature's trail and eventually they find the cave where this creature is living yeah and it's a good cave it's filled with bones like a cave should be um, yeah, absolutely. This, this is obviously the creature's den um they're doing the creepy creepy all of the other knights have disappeared because budget um and <laughs> <laughs> i mean like it's just harder to you know put a bunch of people in front of a giant you know weird questing beast so they just have yeah. merlin and arthur there mm-hmm. uh the questing beast sneaks up behind them arthur tries to attack it pushes merlin out of the way but arthur is struck down it doesn't look like he's bitten uh but it doesn't really matter because the monster is going to eat him uh, when Merlin grabs its attention and then uses his magic to pick up Arthur's sword and then stabs the beast with the sword, killing it. Um, and one of the coolest things that Merlin has ever done, period, it's in a, the story. It's a pretty sweet move for Merlin. And it, it's not addressed, again, I know that there were bigger fish to fry than who killed the questing beast, but I just wanted it to come up again at some point. Even yes. if he was just like, oh, Arthur, you did it, wink, wink. Um, because that move was way too cool for them to just brush it off. Yeah, and I feel like if anybody, like nobody ever asks, right? Because it's only him and no. Arthur there. So And Arthur is immediately like knocked unconscious. And then he's sick from this wound for, the, for most of the episode. So he doesn't get, even get a chance to be like, oh, how did you get me out of there? And I feel like it must be a deleted scene because so many things have happened in this it's happened in this episode mm-hmm. like they just mm-hmm. did not have time to do that um so merlin brings him back to camelot takes him to gaius's lab uh immediately recognizes this as a as a magical disease and runs off to find uh his magical book gaius is like yo uther is going to be here in any minute and merlin's like i don't care like I'm, I'm i'm willing to do this for him i'm willing to get caught for him he's my friend um, there's a lot of really like powerful declarations of emotions in this episode, both from mm-hmm. Merlin and from a variety of people. And it never fails to fucking get me, Chris, like how these, how this show that I, I called like a, a dipshit goofy show when you first started telling me about it has gotten into my fucking brain this much is beyond me. I was, I was very emotional throughout this. Like I was saying, you know, I didn't, I didn't sleep much last night. I think it's got me all out of sorts, but I was in my feelings the entire <laughs> episode everybody's declaration of friendship of sacrifice i was all in uh merlin starts speed reading the magic book and is just trying out random spells to no effect uh i feel like this would have been a good opportunity to like do some unintentional unintentional magic stuff but like the 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 stakes are too high but like what if arthur had gotten like twice as small and then twice as big again you know what i'm saying like (laughs) i just think that that would have been a really good just a really good thing um Instead, the scene chooses to focus on uh, the emotion behind Merlin declaring that Arthur is his friend, um, which is beautiful, but still sort of missed opportunity that we didn't get Tiny Arthur or Large Arthur. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, um, unfortunately. But yeah, so he's, he's quickly doing the spells, and then uh, nothing is working, and then Uther rushes in. Um, and we get a surprisingly like, very emotional moment from Uther, who... who Kind of, he looks, takes one look at Arthur, and he knows. He knows that he's doomed, um, and he picks up his son, who he can barely carry, um, and he he carries him out of the lab and into the streets of Camelot to bring him back to his room. And as he's walking in the out in the courtyard, he just sort of he stumbles to one knee, and he holds Arthur there, and he and he just cries. 
Um, we got Borgata watching from the window. Everything's going very slow. There's somber music playing. It's a it's a pretty heavy moment. It's a heavy moment. Where you know that it's it's the season one finale. Now I don't know if the show was already renewed, how things work on the BBC, if they knew they were doing season two. I don't know any of that. But even if you're just like, well, I know he's not gonna die. It's it's too early into the show. Um, it's still they make it feel like properly heavy. Yeah. Um, it's it's really really good. Even though I kind of laughed when he went down to one knee because I was like, oh, because mm-hmm. that dude's probably like, I don't know. I couldn't pick up a grown man and carry him in my arms for an no, extended no. amount of time. Like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just you know, uh, I'm not the king of Camelot, but also you know what I'm saying. Like I'm just like I can't carry dude. I can't carry dudes that far anymore, Chris. I'm old. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough carrying dudes like that. Um, you spent a whole you spent your lifetime carrying dudes, and then one day, and then one day you wake up and you can't carry you can't a dude carry anymore. Dudes no more. <laughs> That's the thing they don't tell you about getting older. Uh, Merlin goes to see the dragon, um, who off the bat does not seem concerned about Arthur's condition at all. Um, he, but he tells Merlin like, "Hey, like I, I know how to do it. I know how to fix this. Like I, I could, but you know, there's going to be a cost." Uh, and then he starts talking about how the questing beast is from the old religion magic, and that Merlin has to use this same ancient magic to save Arthur. Um, and to do that, he has to go somewhere where the old magic is still, um, I don't know if he says worshipped or practiced or, or what, but he has to basically go to the Isle of the Blessed. Uh, and the dragon says, hey, uh, no, no matter what, Arthur has to live. No matter what the cost, and there will be a high cost, Arthur has to live. Um, and Merlin's like, yeah, dope. Yep, no problem. I, you, you just, you had me at Isle of the Blessed. That's like right by right. the zoo. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I passed yeah. it twice. <laughs> just passed the giraffes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no disrespect at all to Isle of the Blessed. None. No, no disrespect, disrespect intended. Mm-mm. The place deserved a cooler name. That's all I'm saying. Isle I, of the Blessed, kind of just sort of, just sort of soft. Just a soft name. It I'm does not feel church, soft. You know. Uh, how would you feel about um, How would you feel about New Londo? Because <laughs> that's what it that's what I, it I looks just, like I, I is New Londo from Dark Souls. <laughs> great, uh, great improv. I believe that's what we'll call this place from now on. <laughs> Merlin goes back to the lab where Gaius is preparing drugs just to murder Arthur, which is super chilling. It seems that way. He's like, like "Hey, we need to give this to Arthur so that he can pass peacefully." And, and Merlin is like. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, not good. What do you mean, like pass a kidney stone? What, 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 are, we, we what are we talking about? Um, and Merlin's is like, no, we're not. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and he starts explaining about the Isle of the Blessed, which surprise, Gaius already knew about. Um, he says he didn't tell Merlin about it because it's too dangerous for him to go. They get into a heated conversation, uh, and Gaius says, you know, they're going to demand another life in return for Arthur's. Uh, and Merlin is just like, yeah, I, that, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Like Arthur has to live. Like NBD, I got this. Uh, and yeah. and Gaius like continues to beg Merlin to stay, and Merlin just won't listen. And finally says, in, in a very emotional, emotionally charged scene uh, with with Colin, the actor that plays Merlin, just like leaning his his all into it. It's like whatever the price, I will pay it gladly. Mm. Yeah, it's. Um I love it. I love every every minute of this. We've had a whole season for these characters to get to know each other. Merlin has not only the sort of like it's like destiny responsibility that he you know there, there's a fucking dr- talking dragon telling him he needs to take care of this dude. I think that's a pretty heavy burden to place on somebody. Um, but also, as we just learned, you know the the friendship aspect of this. Merlin sees Arthur as a genuine friend despite their differences. Um and and he's 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 willing to to risk it all for the man. Yep, absolutely. 
And we go to check in on Arthur, who is um, sweating in his bedroom. Uh, just, not looking great. Not looking great. Not looking great. Bandaged up. Not not looking go. Not looking great. Sweating it out. Slicker than a damn mermaid. Uh, Merlin, meanwhile, is getting ready to leave when Gaia shows up with some peace offerings. He's got a map uh, for Merlin, and I'm like, you could just, I mean, you could see the olive less from Top Camelot, NBD, don't worry about it. Uh, but he also has a lucky rabbit's foot, um, which seems weird to me for some reason. For some reason, it seems an- anachronistic to me. It's in such a, a way. it's just such like a like a normal thing. Yeah, and I and I like and it's fine. And I think I love this. Like I, ultimately, I love this because of how it doesn't have any magical properties whatsoever, right? And it's just this. Like Gaia says, my mother gave it to me. It was supposed to protect you from bad spirits. And Merlin's like, thank you so much. And he's like, I don't. And Gaia's like questions himself. He's like, I don't even believe in this stuff. I don't know why I'm giving it to you. And Merlin's like, no, you, this is from a friend. Like I, I want to keep this. This means something to me. Um, and it, and and like, there's no magical properties for this. Like it's not. This no. is not like Chekhov's rabbit's foot or anything. Like we're no. It's just you know the it, charm is just the love and concern that you know from Gaius that's that's all it is it's just you know somebody cares about you something to hold on to in, in a moment of weakness um and yeah I'm, I mean I wonder if a rabbit's foot is like an old pagan or druidic like it, there's just some probably history there that surely it, it's still it's a modern thing you see people with with rabbit's foot um rabbit's feet uh, mm-hmm. but uh it's, it's I'm sure it's like period accurate as, as much as the the magic of the questing beast is but um and yeah, it, I don't know. It, it is it, it is it, a little silly, but it's a really touching moment. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it just I don't know. Like it just it just just feels like such a modern thing, even though it's probably not a modern thing at all. Like it just yeah. it took me out of it for a minute. But also like the whole thing really grabs me when we see it the next time. So um, Merlin jets off through the woods. Uh, Uther checks on Arthur in his room. He's not doing great. Uh, Merlin travels through some some really great landscape shots while we hear the dragon narrating. Um, the direction that he has to go. I probably wrote this down, but I think at one time he says you have to go through the Valley of the Fallen Kings, and he's like, yeah. "That's that's just Eighth Street, my dude. Like we don't have that's that name anymore." That's, uh, that's right by that's you take a left at the Labyrinth, boom, boom, and you're on Eighth Street, and it's King. it's a direct the, shot to Isle of the Blessed, which by the way we've yeah. renamed. It's not Isle of the Blessed anymore. <laughs> it's, it's called it's Nulando Ruins. It's called Austin. <laughs> we just named Austin. it Austin, Texas, and we're keeping it weird, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon the dragon is very confused by this entire monologue yeah. he's like what the fuck um yeah i didn't write down any of the directions but we do get a we get a montage of merlin riding out yeah uh and then we go back over to um arthur uh when gwen walks in the room and finds a sleeping gaius um and wakes him up and is like hey just you need to get out here and get some rest uh can i just say so at the beginning of the scene i think uther is briefly with i'm so i'm so glad you brought this up i don't know when this happened the whole time the whole time i was actually just expecting (laughs) uther to put a pillow over his face that's that was what i thought i was like is that the b plot of this is that uther just wants to kill arthur and get it over with there's a there's one moment I thought you were gonna bring up something else. There's one moment where Gwen walks in and Uther is walking out and she gives him like the just worst fuck you look I've ever seen in my entire life. Like what the fuck are you doing in here, you stupid fucker? Get the fuck out of here, you fucker! Like it's just like whoa, Gwen, calm down. Where's this language? Calm down. I know he killed your dad, kind of, but um, yeah. But we get this um this this very sweet scene from from Gwen um. She she goes up to talk to Arthur and she is assuring him that that he won't die, um, and she's saying, "I know one day you'll you'll 
be a great king or you'll, there's a great king inside you or something like that. Uh, and, and then she starts in on this speech about that's what keeps me going. Um, and now Gwen, she literally just lost her dad. She's been going through a lot of shit. And a lot of times the spotlight's not really on her. Even mm-hmm. episodes that are about her, it's just not always about her. Um, so it's good to get to some, some characterization here. And, and she tells Arthur that the idea that him being a great king keeps her going. Um, she says, you're going to live to be the man who I see inside you, Arthur. I can see a Camelot that is fair and just. <laughs> I can see a king that the people will love and be proud to call their sovereign. For the love of Camelot, you have to live. Uh, and she holds his hand and kisses it. I'm sorry. You can't You can't keep saying the king inside, Arthur, because I just, I just flashbacks Listen. to that Tobias uh, Arrested Development book uh, or bit and the Tobias bit in Arrested Development where he wrote the, the book called The Man Inside Me and yeah. doesn't realize yeah, that yeah, it was. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Um, She's like, right here on this bed, Arthur, there is a man inside you. And I'm going to keep him there. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I'm going to help him. I I really, really love this scene. Um, I I can't remember if this ended up in the video uh, for Merlene or not. But like there was a there was a cut of that video which really, really focused on like saving Merlin or excuse me, saving Arthur and like had this whole like narrative around this stuff. And I used a bunch of clips from this. I love the scene a whole lot. I especially love uh, the the callback to "For the Love of Camelot," um, but this time and not the rah rah soldier way, but just in a "For the Love of Your Kingdom" kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the older I get, the more I stray away from like "Yay, country I live in" or anything like that, or right. like "Yay, the nation," whatever. But uh, there is something powerful about it in a fantasy setting, and I just love the fact Definitely. that like she she uses it because she knows. If any, if if he'll hear anything, it'll be you know Camelot using Camelot's inspiration mm-hmm. for Arthur would would work. Um, it's yeah, in you know especially in like a modern political climate, it's hard to sometimes feel patriotic to to. And I'm not a religious person, so it's hard to ever hold up any one person or entity uh, as as something great and special and and something to believe in. That's just not how you know it works in real life. But when you see something like this, like you said, especially in a fantasy series, where you, Gwen has put her hopes behind the idea uh, of of a king, of Arthur, a great man doing doing good for all of them, um, and it is it's a it's a sweet kind of almost naive idea, but it's very beautiful and it's very and it's really sweet that that she says this to him and that you even get to see this side of her. You wouldn't think that someone of her rank and station really would feel that way, but there there is this this part of it that even even with shit as, as maybe crazy as it is under uther um she she's just has hope for a brighter future yeah absolutely um and all of this is like really underlined uh as the camera goes outside and we see uh so many people like not only knights but like i was gonna say citizens again but like people from the kingdom like people that live in the kingdom in the castle all holding a candlelight vigil for arthur um and the the twist here, I think, is really, really good because we go from Gwen having this, like, ever-shining faith in Arthur to the candlelight vigil and then back inside the castle where Arthur, excuse me, where Uther is looking at the same people and taking something completely different from it. Um, as Gaius comes up and is like, hey, can I do anything good? Why are you in those curtains? This is a weird thing you and Morgana yeah. do. I do not like it. Uh, Uther... Pulls back it's the cur- spreading, dude. It's infecting <laughs> the whole fucking castle. Everybody's in the wrapped up in curtains. Uh, Uther pulls back the curtain and says, "Oh, this is the you know the people of the kingdom. They're this is how they're saying goodbye. Arthur is truly lost to me." And uh, and Gaius like does not have anything to say about this. He's like, "Yeah, uh, 
yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> He's going to die. The, yeah, you need to accept this. Uh, this is another moment where I was just irrationally emotional um, when he says they've they've come to say goodbye. Um, it's just heavy. There's just something about it that, uh, you know, the people the people expect Arthur to die. Um, or at least in Uther's mind, they ex- he that's how his perception of it. Um, and yeah, and, and, and Guy says, like, you know, it would take a miracle to save him. And Uther says, I don't believe in miracles. Yeah. Whoa. Too bad. Too um, bad, brother. Merlin has arrived at the lake uh, where the Isle of the Blessed is, uh, right outside of Austin, Texas. Um, he, yes. he finds a boat. Uh, he grabs all of his stuff off the horse. It says, hey, stay to the horse, I guess. Hops in the boat. Um, he casts uh, motor. He casts motor. He casts the yep. spell motor. Very convenient skill. <laughs> Just, I love it so much. He's like, bada, 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 and the boat's like, <laughs> just he just, and then he makes the noises himself. It's like, <laughs> 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 I, had a, I had a friend, like when we were like 15, 16, like right before we all had our license, we'd still ride our bikes around town everywhere. There was this one kid that would always do that. And no one ever thought it was like weird or childish. We always, for some reason, like to this day, just when I think back on this kid just riding his bike around, just going, pretending it was a motorcycle it never stopped being funny to me it's, just, it's so good something about it it just always made me laugh. it's good shit it's, it's always good dude <laughs> it's just so stupid it's so stupid and, and great and stupid it, but he always did it <laughs> it's so good um the shot of merlin uh motoring his way into austin texas is extremely beautiful um like it's not as it's not as like high res i think as maybe you would really want it like it feels like it's a, a little dated but like just the idea of this sunken city in the middle of a lake that you have to motor yourself to is extremely cool um yeah there's another really funny spot too where uh the boat like obviously it's being controlled right like i'm not an idiot or anything mm. but like it's just the way that it like pulls up to the curb is like did you yeah, did you parks it maybe maybe he didn't cast motor maybe he cast uber because he like drops yeah. him off oh, at yeah. the perfect oh, spot yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's what it was he cast uber yeah yeah um, dropped me off on the front and the, and the boat was like mm-hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. um <laughs> no but i yeah I, I this all looked really cool it's it's just it's simple he's just sort of gently floating through the mist and we're seeing the ruins of what once was you know we don't really know what this this place was the new londo ruins um but it, it just it all looks really cool and then he kind of he parks he just he, he does just sort of pull up to that door and then he finally <laughs> he steps out and we see this this um oh. this dais in like the center of the circle of stones you know what we don't see we don't see Berlin cast five stars on that boat <laughs> he's gonna no. get he's gonna get no. a real negative rider review on that <laughs> Yeah, because he kind of came to an abrupt you know, stop, kind of yeah. shook him a little bit. Merlin, um, you need to cast 20% or higher, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Come on, brother. Get get it together. Um, But this is quite a surprise. I remember not expecting this. Just kidding. I would have seen it in the um In the preview. preview. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I was just surprised this time. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm surprised now as I get to my notes and I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nemo was is in here. this episode. Because she appears and she always has such like a striking color on. Mm-hmm. That especially in this situation where everything is misty and and dulled, and then there's this this I, I, I'm, in my head she's wearing red. I don't even know if she is. Um, no, it's like a it's a real dark like wine burgundy situation. There's just like yeah, the striking color of her appearance is just like oh shit, this is something out of character with everything that's here. Even though she's supposed to, she's of the old religion. She's this you know creature of it, as she keeps saying. Um, she just she sticks out. Is what I mean to say, um, and, and it seems like uh oh, 
why is she here? What's going on? And and Merlin is shocked because you know he's he's come here with the intent of saving Arthur, and here is somebody that has literally tried to kill him as well as Arthur. And she defends herself and is like, you know, it's it's not it's never my destiny to to take Arthur's life. Uh, and I he's like, well, what about me? And then he's like, and she's like, well, I, I didn't know how important you were, uh, but you're here now, and that's all that matters. And she kind of. And he's like, well, I'm here to, to, to sacrifice myself to save Arthur's life. And she says, nah, it's not quite that simple. And she doesn't, mm-hmm. and this is another real frustrating thing that just TV in general does. Uh, she never, like, Merlin never asks. I feel like if he just asked the question, like, well, what's the sacrifice? Because she says, it's not that mm-hmm. simple. And he's like, I don't care. But, like, well, if it's not that simple, like, outline it for me. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? What I are got, we dealing I, with? I guess, you know, as TV viewers, we're being like, okay, something's not as it seems here. If it's if it's as, as simple as Merlin dies, Arthur lives, she would just tell him that. Um, but Merlin doesn't know that. He thinks that he's like, yeah, I'm sacrificing my life for Arthur. It's, it is simple. Um, he thinks that the, the big secret is that he'll die, right? Or something like that, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. <laughs> yep, it's not. <laughs> Which makes it far more ominous because, um, you know, well, she tells him once you enter this bargain, it cannot be undone. undone. She gives him the cup of life. And tells him that if Arthur drinks liquid from this, he will live. And I'm like, dude, is he got to bring it all the way back without spilling? That's, was, That's dude, gonna be tough. Even though I've seen this episode, I was like, how does he get it back to Camelot like this? Like this she is no way. This, this, you know, chalice, um, and he's holding it. And then she summons down the rain, which is a very dope move. Um, it here's you know, pours the, rain into here, here, this uh, cup. Here's the coolest part about summoning the rain. Um, is that it completely soaks Merlin. It fills this cup full of like whatever water or whatever. And then as he hands it back to Nimue, Nimue, bone dry. <laughs> not a single drop dry. touched her hair. She's like, and I am just, not, that, just kinda, I'm not flat ironing my hair dude. again. I'm not just not going to go through it. There's like three more guys coming into Isle of Blessings today. Yeah. Like I got, I got shit to do, man. You stay wet it over makes there. Me, it makes me wonder if she's like even there. I can't remember what happens to Nimue. I don't remember if this is the last time we see her or not. Um, but it, it, I just I'm raising my eyebrow at it. Um, but yeah, she hands uh, he hands the flask or the, the the cup back to her. She pours it into a flask that so now it's got a cap on it. He can ride it back without spilling. Um, and she says the bargain is struck. I hope it pleases you. Um, and we're left very confused. Yeah. Merlin's very confused. I'm confused. But there's no time to waste. There's no time to ask questions. He's got to get catch that Uber. He said how he would be back in five minutes. The clock's ticking. He's not planning on tipping, so he's got to. He's got to get there. Yeah. Um, and and he rushes back. Uh, and then the next thing we see is is Merlin giving the flask to Gaius, explaining what's going on. But, Gaius, but also not explaining what's going on because he's not really explaining. Gaius is um, like, who whose life did you bargain? And Merlin's like, let's go save Arthur first. Let's go do the thing. Yeah. Um. But he assures Gaius, hey, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Uh, and yeah, cut over to Arthur's room and Gaius and Merlin are giving him the water just as, uh, Uther walks in and Uther Gaius is like, lies about it being an old cure for poison, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, not a big deal. They've given him the, the, the life water and now Uther is going to just wait by his side until he wakes up. Uh, Gaius and Merlin leave on the way out. Morgana grabs Merlin from inside the curtains. Um, I, we, we've made that joke, but this actually sincerely looks like she did it from inside of a curtain. <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that this joke is now canon. Um, yeah, and she joke's canon. Dude, it's like it. This is this. We don't get a lot of Morgana in this, mm-mm. but it's so intense. It's so fervent. She's like, she's very, very. She's lost it. You know, she's completely out of sorts. She's literally pulling somebody into a curtain. This is 
this is bonkers. Um, it just seems like somebody totally rattled without sleep, just like not doing well at all. Um, <laughs> trying to podcast about a Merlin episode. <laughs> trying to podcast about a Merlin episode. Um, Talking about giraffes. Morgana, what is yeah. wrong with you? Morgana, Morgana, you need to sleep. You need to go to bed. Um, but she says, uh, please, Merlin, uh, what did she say? You must beware. You must beware. This, this is, only is only the, the beginning. beginning. Um, and he's like, huh? <laughs> and Merlin li- literally just walks off. Uh, Arthur wakes. He's he's okay. Um, Uther and Gaius are, are there. Um, they're you know much rejoicing. Everyone's excited. Merlin is pacing in the lab when Gaius comes to tell him the news. Uh, you can tell Merlin is very happy in this very bittersweet moment uh but Mer- but Gaius is like real real like cold he's like what the what the fuck is going on um we don't get that conversation instead we go back over to Arthur um who is still in his bed but obviously like awake and aware Uther is just like walking around with gloves on inside for some reason dude that is a weird move take your gloves off when you come inside it's a very strange he's an, thing he's an intense guy I, I you know I, I, not the kind of guy I put it past to wear gloves indoors <laughs> Such a, so fucking weird dude like as a guy that doesn't wear gloves very much because I have no as need- a guy who doesn't wear gloves indoors very much <laughs> it's a guy who doesn't wear gloves period like I would I would immediately uh-huh. take them off when I entered any building like it, it could be a shed and I'd be like oh he's got to come off <laughs> And I'm not even a king, Chris. Uh, yeah. Well, hey. Gwen, this is when Gwen arrives. Uh, this is when she gives Uther the fuck you look, uh, which is so good. Um, and she's, you know, is happy to see Arthur, uh, but very flustered when Arthur starts saying like, oh, hey, I remembered all those things. You like, you held my hand. And she's like, oh, I definitely did not hold your hand. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally like kissed my hand. And she's like, I absolutely 100% did not kiss your hand. <laughs> um, but it's, this is very cute. This is very like it's yeah flirty. Um, yes, it's very flirty. He's just sort of teasing her about the nice things that she said. She denies it. She gets all flushed and rubs, runs away. And he's just got like a big stupid grin on his face. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very cute. Um, and then that night, we see uh, an old woman uh, walking into the gates of Camelot. Uh, what are these guards doing? Like they just watch this old sick woman. <laughs> Nothing, like dude. just wa- they just watch her. Just walk in. Uh, Anyone with a hood that heavy is about to cast magic. Easy. Now, in this case, it turns out not to be true. But you know how Uther is, guys. A little tighter security, please. Give her a question. Arya um, Stark got more question when she returned to Winterfell. That's all I'm saying. Um, she lived there. She, um, she fucking lived there. Um, <laughs> there but this is intercut with um, shots of, of Merlin sitting on his bed. He's holding the rabbit's foot. You can tell he's he's very uncertain. He's very nervous. There's a storm raging outside. Um, it took me a minute to realize, like, oh, Merlin's waiting to die. Yeah. He thinks, like, oh, Arthur's better, so I'm going to die now. Um, then we see this hooded figure, you know, enters Camelot and then, you know, comes to, to the lab, knocks on Gaius's door, opens the door. Uh, and then it, we cut to Morgana waking from another dream and she's screaming again. That, I will say that that makes, this is one of the things, the reasons I like the, the rabbit's foot so much, because again, it's not a magical item. It never presents any magical properties, but like Gaius gave it, you know, Gaius's mother gave it to him. And Gaius gave it to Merlin, and Merlin is literally holding on to it as a good luck charm, but as he waits to die because he knows that Arthur is alive again, like yeah. it's it's not you know it's not like it's never like directly mentioned or anything. Like they sh- they clearly show it in the frame, like they want you to think about this thing, but like it's not a magical item. It's just this like token of luck and love that I just it's just a really really well done little like beeline through this. It's very sweet. Um, and I you know I guess that they're they're the true magic, Jeremy. 
It's friendship. It's friendship. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Sora. <laughs> yeah. The so uh, the last thing we see is Morgana waking up screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, she was dreaming about this stuff too. Uh, and then we see the next thing we see is Merlin, and he's in bed. The next morning, he's still got the rabbit's foot in his hand, and then he wakes up and he's sort of shocked to be alive. Uh, and he kind of runs out of the room, excited, ready to talk to to Gaius and be like, "Hey, brother, I'm alive." Um, but Gaius tells him to stay away because, as we find out, the person who came in last night came to Camelot last night was Merlin's mother, and she is gravely, gravely ill. She's dying. She got the plague, it looks like. She's got boils all over her face. She's not doing very well. Um, he Very quickly, Merlin like gushes out that you know Nimaway was involved, and Gaius is like, look, there's nothing I can do. Like The ancient magic took a life for a life. This is, this is what she does. This is how it works. And Merlin kind of ignores that and leans down and tells his mother that he's going to make her better, and then rushes to the dragon and accuses the dragon of knowing what would happen. And the dragon says, like, I knew that it would be a terrible price to pay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, we, you know that you did it, and that's it. Like, we're both creatures of the old religion, and it's more important that Arthur survive because he will be responsible for returning magic to the realm, allowing me to be free. And you could see it click in Merlin's face of, like, oh, oh. you haven't been helping me at all. You have been helping, you have been, controlling me but manipulating me to make sure that you could have your freedom um and he says like i thought you were my friend and he goes oh I'm more than that i am your kin mm-hmm. uh which merlin denies like the only family that i have is my mother and she's dying because of what you did i totally forgot about this twist everything with the mother everything with the dragon yeah um in my mind he's sort of that like not friendly advisor, but he is the wise old wizard in the cave, even though Merlin is the wizard. But um, there's something the dragon, he just gives you cryptic advice, and that's his thing, and he'll never quite reveal the whole truth. Um, but this, it's you can tell that he has his, his own ends, you know. Um, he only cares about his own inevitable freedom in the event that magic returns to Camelot. And um, just the outrage from Merlin mm-hmm. is is... He turns his he turns his back on the on the dragon. He says, "You will never be free. Like you betrayed me. This happened because of you. Um, you will you will never see me again." Um, it's a hard line, and the dragon fucking blasts him with fire, dude. He rises fucking up in dope. anger and bl- breathes fire on Merlin, who just blocks it with his own magic. It's this really intense. I don't know, show of, of strength from both of them, sort of. It's yeah, just not yeah. something that we see a lot in this show, really. Merlin, of course, uses magic, but this is just so, like, I don't it's know. It's emotional. It's angry. Right, like, it's anger. Yeah. And it's and it's something like, you know, Merlin is often using his magic in the defense of his friends or in a, in a, in a state of uh, desperation to save someone or to save himself. Um, or sometimes he uses it to make cute little boots dance around Arthur's room. Either one, like it's either one, but it's never. It's very, very rarely a flash of anger like this. Even when he was uh, murdering his way through a bunch of bandits in the last episode to yeah. save Uther, like he wasn't angry. He was like determined. He was just determined. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this just goes to show again how powerful Merlin is. Um, we're going to see a little bit more of it later. But like, of course, he's very gifted, and we know that he's a he's a sorcerer who can use magic without having to like you know incant a spell or whatever. Um, but it just feels like dragon's fire is like a pretty fucking badass thing. Yeah. And Merlin just raises one hand and blocks it. And you know, 
as a gamer myself, Jeremy, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a pretty cool move. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's an L2 plus X maneuver. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a complicated yeah. block. You have to have good timing if you want to get the parry off, though. You have to be really, really it quick. Just, yeah, it, it goes to show there's there's more even than what we've seen so far going on with Merlin. And I, I will say, like, this, there's a the line here that I think is you could pretty easily overlook is of, um, you know, when Merlin says, I'm not, I thought you were my friend, and the dragon responds, you know, I am your kin. Uh I've mentioned a couple of times in the last few episodes that I'm I'm in a Game of Thrones rewatch. Uh, I feel like Game of Thrones and both the books and the and the TV show really fail you on dragon lore. Um, mm. And I think it's pretty well known at this point that there's like dragons in Game of Thrones, right? Uh, but the stuff that happens with those dragons is, is cool, but it's never anywhere near as cool as I wanted it to be, if that makes sense. Uh, Merlin, they don't do a lot of it. But the stuff they give you about dragons and Merlin, I think, is head and shoulders above the stuff that you got in Game of Thrones. Like, I think the dragon lore in Merlin is super cool, and it and it all relates to this "I am your kin" thing. Um, and I, it just so if you're if you're a new let's if you're new if you're going through Merlin for the first time with this, like, just keep your eyes peeled, and like, because that shit is dope. Um, it's tough. It's very cool, and I really like the idea of this. Is, feels like the first time we've heard about the old religion, right? Like, we know about magic, we know how it was banned, and. Uh, I assume that the druids sort of practice this old religion. I don't. I don't know, but it just feels like this is the first time that they are calling it out. And between the dragon and Nimue, both yeah. saying something about them all sort of being kin. They're all creatures of the old religion. Um, just the concept is really interesting and really cool. And I, and I hope that we get to explore that a little bit more as as the series goes on. Uh, we do. So good. Good on you. Merlin goes back to the lab. Um, his mom is sleeping. Gaius is watching over, her, and uh, Merlin decides like, hey. I'm going to go back to Austin, Texas, and I am going to cast a spell. I'm going to trade my life for hers. Uh, and Gaius is like, no, you're much too young. You have a whole destiny. Um, and then Merlin has this really emotional speech. If you wrote a bunch of this, let me know. Or if you, if you noted a bunch um, of it down. Yeah, I wrote but, some of it down. He, he says, um, you know, he doesn't care about his destiny or his powers because if he can't save his mother, then, then what's the point? And then uh, to Gaius, he says, you have taught me so much, taught me who I am, taught me that magic should only be used for great deeds. But most of all, you have always told me uh, to do what is right. And it's it's a slow delivery. He doesn't read it as quickly as I just did. Um, and he's looking directly at Gaius, this man who's been his mentor and his father figure for, you know, the last, I don't know, year of his life or whatever this is. Um and all that Gaius can say in response is just Merlin. He just says his name. He's got tears in his eyes. Uh, and then Merlin says he's got to go see Arthur. But I think that's a that's a beautiful farewell to, to Gaius. Yeah, absolutely. And what can Gaius argue against that? He's so I think he's so proud of Merlin, even though he wants to stop him. He's just so proud of the person that he has become. Um, that and 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 how much Merlin even you know cares for Gaius. I'm sure that makes him feel really happy. So he can't argue with him. He just looks at him. Um, and yeah, and then Merlin leaves to go see Arthur. Um, I love the way that Merlin says that too. Like, I have to go I have to go say, see Arthur um, because it se- seems very serious. Uh, and, and it is. Um, mm-hmm. what, you, whether or not you, whatever side of like the relationship coin you fall in on, on, the, on these two dudes, like they're obviously very important to one another. Um, and this feels like a, a real solidification of that, of this relationship because, uh, Arthur, as Merlin gets into his chambers, is kind of just 
breezy, right? He's like, oh, hey, you're you're here. Um, you know, I've been, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, they kind of fall into the old routines of, you know, sometimes I wonder if you even know who I am. And Merlin says, oh, I know exactly who you are. You're a Pratt and a royal one. Um, but then he kind of turns it serious by saying, I'm, I'm happy to be your servant to the day that I die. Uh, and I, it's like, and Arthur is understandably confused. That's why Merlin is just like having heavy conversations <laughs> with him right now. Um, and says, you know, sometimes I think I know you and then sometimes I, I don't know you at all. And Merlin says, I know you, you're a great warrior. And one day you'll be a great King. And then like beat as long as you're not a Pratt, <laughs> which <Yeah. laughs> is, is, is I think a really good, like a testament to the chemistry between these two actors to have that, like, easy back and forth like joking relationship right uh Mm -hmm. and whereas before i think arthur would have uh arthur lately has just you know sparred back with that kind of stuff and it it just i don't know it's just a very casual conversation while at the same time it has a lot of meaning to merlin and it's you could definitely see another side of this ending where if merlin would have died at the end that arthur would have looked back and gone like oh fuck like i had this opportunity and i didn't even know what it was so yeah especially where he he says you know you must learn to listen as well as you fight um this i mean that does sort of stop arthur in his tracks a little bit even though he continues on and calls him a prat and you know keeps talking shit um and and it keeps that that friendly poking that they have going on friendly poking huh um but it, it does, I think those, those words, they do kind of hit Arthur a little bit. He's like, what is happening right now? He's a little confused. Um, when Merlin gets back to the lab, he sees Gwen, you know, she's treating Merlin's mother. Gwen gets around, man. She's all, like, she's helping Arthur out. She's helping Morgana out. Mm-hmm. She's helping out uh, uh, Merlin's mother. The thing with uh, Morgana, it's always like, in my mind, Morgana, when she's waking up, she's not waking up in the morning. She's waking up in like the dead of night. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because she's fully asleep in her in her uh, bed gown, whatever. Uh, and then and Guinevere always just like comes in to help her out, like fully clothed, like she wasn't in bed. Like Guinevere, when do you sleep? She pro- <laughs> when do they let you? I mean, sleep? in the last episode, her dad died, right? Like she probably yeah. she probably doesn't want to sleep in her house, so she's probably sleeping like. Oh, at, dude, at, we at, just talked about this last episode. Yeah, she at, had a whole episode where she napped. Yeah, <laughs> she just napped <laughs> she throughout the she's day. Not, she's not sleeping until season three, bro. <laughs> she had, she had one day of sleep, she, she and now she can up. go forever. Um. <laughs> So they talk a little bit. Uh, he tells Gwen never to lose her good heart. And Gwen's like, that's a weird thing to say to me in the middle of the day. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. um, and then he sits beside his mom and tells his mom that he's going to make her better. Uh, and that the gods will look after him um, and that they will see each other soon. Um, and then in a, a moment of particular poignancy, he hands her the rabbit's foot. Uh, oh, and, this- and they both tell each other they're going to miss each other. Yeah. They both think that the other one is going to die. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um. And the next morning, uh, Merlin packs his bag to leave and is about to say goodbye to Gaius when he realizes Gaius is not there. Instead, he wrote a note. Um, and of course, I think everybody pretty much saw this coming a million miles away. Uh, Gaius says in this note that you know his life is at an end. He would rather sacrifice himself to save Merlin's mother than see Merlin sacrifice all of his potential to be a, a great, he specifically does not say wizard, warlock, uh, to... And so he would rather he would rather die than Merlin. Yeah, he says to oh, dude, I believe you'll be the greatest warlock ever, and to have known you has been my greatest pleasure. And to sacrifice myself for you is but an honor. You are and always will be the son I never had. And he, we get the voiceover of Gaius reading this letter 
as he cut with scenes of him, you know, traveling and then sailing out to the island and um, Morgana looking out the window yep, <laughs> as yep. Merlin rushes after him. Um, but all of this, they're, they're just really, they're playing, they're playing with my heart on this one. I'm just feeling a lot of emotions. And we see uh, Gaius reach the inside of the ruins with the altar, uh, right as Merlin is racing through the woods. Um, and then Nemaway arrives. Uh, and, you know, these two have history together. Um, they mentioned, you know, Gaia says, you know, I, I want to sacrifice. And she's like, this is not the first time you've come to me wanting a favor. And you didn't like what happened the first time. And he says, you know, I'm giving you the opportunity to, 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 to correct that, to, to do something good. When Nimoy talks now, uh, it, they do an interesting vocal effect where her voice kind of echoes, um, which I don't know if this is because it's, this is her place of power or she's mm-hmm, doing that mm-hmm. to be intimidating. Like, it seems like a really easy, like, I don't know if I was a magic dude, like that would be the first thing that I would learn as to how to like yell at everybody. Do, do big voice. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do big boy. I don't have big boy pants. <laughs> I have big boy voice. <laughs> like what Gandalf yells at Bilbo. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent like that. Like that'd be the, like I w- I'd want to do the whole thing when he like grows the shadows and does like, uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's step one on the, on the warlock uh, tour. When the dogs won't come in from the yard. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Um, but they go back and forth they 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 kind of verbally spar with one another um and d-boy says that you know guy why should she do anything for gaius gaius stood by and watched all of her friends and family burn in the great magic purge uh and gaius says you know i'm doing this for merlin and merlin is the only one that can get Arthur to the throne and Arthur is going to bring back magic in the land. He's going to bring back magic in the realm. Um, and Nimue says, are you willing to give your life for that future? And Gaius raises his right eyebrow to the fucking moon. <laughs> this dude, he's piercing the clouds. With what, that sucker. what is going on with this face? Like if I don't know how they held it together to record this. Like if I was the actress playing Nimue, I would be cracking the fuck up at during this because he, yeah. I mean, it is, it's not arced. It's fucking like, it's a, it's an arrow to the sky, my dude. Like it yeah. is crazy how high they get this thing. I'm not really sure what that look is. If it's just his face, or you know, but I, I think that there maybe it's him stealing himself, right? Yeah. Uh, he's staring down his own death right here, right now, and he's just got that cocked eyebrow that Whew. he's. It's just he's holding, he's holding it all together, all within that eyebrow, all the way up to fucking Mars, bro. Like it goes all the <laughs> way up to fucking heaven. Dude, like, he's it is all the way in. It is. It is absolutely nuts. Um, and then, of course, he says it is. He says yes. Yeah. Uh, just then, Merlin arrives at the lake. Uh, he makes it to the altar where he sees Nemoe standing over Gaius. Uh, Nemoe says that Merlin's mother is now safe. Um, and she says that the, the old religion doesn't care much uh, which life it takes. Uh, and this is when Merlin realizes, like, well, the old religion might not... But this is you choosing this. You chose chose my mother. This This isn't just the old religion. Exactly. Uh, And this makes him angry enough that he, he again lashes out with magic, just like he did with the, well, he didn't lash out at the dragon, but he does the same thing that the dragon did to him. And he lashes out with this Mm -hmm. lightning bolt, which Nimue is like, "Ah," just catches it with her hand. And she's like, homie, I'm a priestess. I've been around for a while. (laughs) You may, Mm -hmm. you were, you were Merlin come lately, my friend. Uh, And she, there was, there was a little, a little comment about, I clearly, clearly headcanon here when she said to the guy, it's like, Oh, I didn't think I'd see you again or whatever. And in my mind, I was like, Oh, like, 
like 40 years ago, maybe they were friends or, or had romantic together or something. But because, you know, Gaius sided with Uther and turned his back on all of this stuff and he continued to age while Nimue, this, you know, person of magic, whatever, she stayed the same. Um, I just invented all of this stuff. But clearly, Nimue is, is she's been around for a long time. She's much older than she looks. And she's clearly much more powerful than, you know, her age might might suggest. I don't think... Uh... I don't think you're necessarily far off there, Chris, because if you if you sum up the knowledge that we know about uh, Gaius and the state of Camelot before the Magical Purge, before Nimue cast the spell to get, I can't remember, is it Uwain's? Uh, is, is Uther's? Egrain, yeah. Egrain? Or is that the one from The Wheel of Time? I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. They all Very blend together. Very similar names. Um, to get, you know, to... to to get Arthur's mom pregnant with Arthur um, and then all of the sacrifice and everything. Like you're absolutely right. That that was, I mean, at least 20 years ago, right? 25 years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't look that old. Whereas Uther and uh, Gaius are certainly that old. And everything we know about Gaius is that he was kind of like obsessed with magic, right? Like he's tried spells before he's collected magic paraphernalia. He's hidden it from his King. Like he, even though it was a life risking ordeal, uh, so there could be you could be something there. It could be if if they were not like mm. in a romantic relationship, they definitely knew one another, um, and it definitely like had like a, a friendship, right? Like they were at least at yeah, court together. It just seems like there was just the echo of some long gone relationship. Yeah. Not just people who knew each other, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just felt like something was was there. But now he just is basically lying dead at her feet, and. Um, Merlin struck at her. She throws it right back at him, mm-hmm. and um, she like scorches like a hole in this dude's chest. Like Merlin like, takes a hit, yeah. And there's this like smoldering ash, like is it is burned clothes and skin. Uh, and she comes up to Merlin, who's now on the ground. She says, "Pity, because you know together we could have ruled the world." Pulling her Darth Vader lines, um, and then she she walks away. All of and the just uh, then that's when all of the camera angles they're using with her at this time are really mm. really cool. Like they're just they're just askew enough um, and just like turning enough to like really make you feel like things are going a little out of control and crazy. Um, and it's just mm-hmm. it's it's really well done. It's fun. And um, Marlon rises back up to his feet. Finally, he says, "You should not have killed my friend." And then he does something totally uh, out of control and unexpected, and he calls down. I, like lightning from the storm. There's this thunderstorm ahead above and he, he calls down the force of that lightning and he strikes her with it. Um, this is a pretty big, this is a high level spell. High level spell. Jeremy. And as far as I could tell, she just vanishes like obliterated. And again, I don't, I assume because of like balance and all that, that she has to be gone. I really cannot remember if we ever see her again. I don't think we do. Um, I don't but, remember specifically. But for all intents and purposes, yeah. she, she has been destroyed. Yeah, she um, is annihilated by this lightning strike. And I think it's a it's, it's a pretty clever way to handle the situation because this is a spell that he watched her do, right? And mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. his anger at the situation and his desperation amps it up so high that he's able to not just call down the rain, but call down the storm and call down the lightning. Uh, and killing her in the process, just adding the fucking bodies to the pile as the, as Merlin goes through yeah. life. Um, and yeah, she's she's she's. I think she's a hundred percent dead because we hear this like unearthly scream. Uh, Merlin jumps over to Gaius and is is holding him and trying to wake him up. Um, and <laughs> when she gets electrocuted, it does that like cartoon like flash back and forth between these two frames of her like getting electrocuted. Yeah, and it looks really silly, but I really really liked it for some reason. <laughs> 
it's really good. Like I think it's I think it's, it's really great. Uh, it all it's all it just it's crazy because that's a huge thing. You know that's a big old special effect, right? And I and, and they make they make it work. They always seem to make it work. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so Merlin rushes over to uh, Gaius on the ground who seems to be dead. He screams at the sky, no. And as he's sitting there crying with his arms around Gaius, Gaius is just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool. Everything's fine. Um, he says that Merlin has mastered the power of life and death and it will be the, the greatest warlock yet uh, as long as he can do something. If only he could stop the rain. If only he could stop the rain. Um, and like, it seems like for a brief second that all is well with the world, um, except as the camera zooms out, we hear the dragon screaming and we see the dragon oh, yeah. screaming, thrashing around in his chain in his cave, at yelling for Merlin. Um, and as he, as he has, as he's screaming, all of a sudden Morgana wakes up and she looks scared as hell. Like she has never seen or yeah. experienced anything like We don't like know this. what she just experienced. If it was another dream, if she sort of felt what just happened, if she heard the dragon or felt the dragon, like we don't know what's going on there. In my notes, at the very last thing that I wrote in my notes, I wrote, it's tragic that she doesn't know what's happening, yeah. comma, but also kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. I think it's kind of sad. She's just like losing it. She has no idea what's going on. Um, Poor Morgana, dude. Um, It really sucks. And we don't get our... It's not funny. I don't know why I thought it was when I wrote this. It's not... Yeah, it's it's not a funny scene at all. It's very distressing, especially if you're like me. Very distressing. Kind of like half in love with Morgana at all times. Um, Yeah. But yeah, this and this is it. So they they bypass the curse um, by uh, sacrificing Nimue instead of Gaius, um, which presumably saves the mom and Arthur and everybody. Um, and mm-hmm. that's that's it. We don't get a preview for it's, this one because it's the season finale. It's season finale again. I don't know. I've seen this before, and it, it makes a lot of sense that you'd kill the bad guy to even things out. Even though it's like, of course they want to make the noble heroic sacrifice because they're the good guys. You don't just murder people to get what you want. That's that's not what the good guys do. Um, but for, for whatever reason, it just it never occurred to me like, oh yeah, just kill Nimoy. Like just do that. Like why that did not occur to me. Yeah, yeah. Until after the fact, it's like, oh hey, no, that yeah, that checks. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Perfect. Also, I guess it's a way for like you know the hero to defeat the villain once and for all. Without it being like murder, even though Merlin's killed a lot of people, this, Nimoy is a named character, and killing her is a little bit different than killing Brigand Number Nine. You know, so it does. Um, it, it's you know, murder is a strong term, um, but it is also murder. <laughs> like this dude called yeah, lightning from the I sky mean, and fried a woman. She wasn't innocent, right? Like she's and she was you know directly threatening the lives of his loved ones. So maybe it was like murder and self-defense or something like i guess you could make that argument not in uther's court certainly you'd have to take no, this just no, a different no, no, no. kingdom like, three miles away imagine uh, merlin having to stand trial for this like on the plus side he killed nimoy <laughs> huge huge side. win for camelot huge w on the board for that one on the other hand he called down magic lightning to do it yeah. and then merlin's in there with his lawyer arguing like magic is a naturally occurring event <laughs> It's not. He didn't summon it. It was just chance. Um, uh, anywho, what a yeah, great episode! So, man. This this was a a phenomenal yeah. episode in my opinion. Like this was just so so good. It feels like so much happened. Um, mm-hmm. Like it just it's just crazy how much they crammed into a finale without this being like a like a two parter or anything, and have it not feel like. Like if it feels rushed at all, it's only because the plot called for it to feel like 
rushed, like you were careening out of control. Yeah, Yeah, urgent is a great word. Um, And and like it is going to be interesting because this this a a really great first season of this show. Uh, I I think they they just they they handled it really well. They they took a tried and true legend that many many people know that's been retold many many times over you know millennia. uh, and I think they did a really good job. They, it fit the form really, really well. And the you know Monster of the Week one-off random episodes uh, were a lot of fun. I wonder if going into season two, if we're going to be like, ah, I don't want those anymore. I just want main plot stuff. Because now we've gotten so much great main plot stuff. Uh, I don't remember ever feeling that way. I do remember having a lot of fun with those episodes. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to go. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, I'm very excited. I... Uh I remember liking all of these seasons. Like I liked the show more and more and more as the time went on. Like the episodes just kept getting better. Um, even though some of my complaints from the beginning are, are still there, like, you know, character development disappearing for an episode or two. But I think that's just like, Hey, we're, we're making a TV show. Like we're not, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, we're not, we're not on HBO. Like we don't have, we can't afford to, to do that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. I think this is a great season finale. I think this is, a real culmination in everything that uh, Merlin has learned. And I'm, I'm hoping that they kick off season two with like some establishment. Like I hope Merlin has mm-hmm. leveled up a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. He'll probably still be, you know, scrubbing, scrubbing floors. And, and yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to see what, see what comes next. It's, it's been a long time since I've seen season two. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you sticking with us through season one. Uh, it means a lot to us. If you uh, if you want to support us, the best place to do so is patreon.com slash monster of the week. If you do so, you get to uh, get episodes of this podcast early. You can join our Discord, and you get exclusive content. Me and Chris are currently in the middle of a wide range of projects on our Patreon that we keep are struggling to keep, keep going to because life <laughs> is a motherfucker right now. Uh, but there's episodes of us covering uh, The Witcher books and Lord of the Rings movies and all kinds of stuff. So definitely check that out. Uh, ratings and reviews are extremely appreciated, um, as well as just telling your friends. Also extremely appreciated. Uh, we'll be back next week with um, Season 2 of Merlin. All right. Bye. Hey. Hello. Oh, hold on. It's using the wrong microphone and by mic or uh, headphones. And by that I mean the speakers on my monitor. Hold on. Oh no. Hey everybody, Chris's house. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it sounds so weird. He sounds so far away from What's me. What's up, Uncle Chris? I think that remember uh, your name. Why, you... why would it ask me to use this? It was like your settings have changed. I was like, have they? <laughs> have they? Discord or have you changed? Um God, give me a second. Uh why why is it why do I have a problem every time? What's every single time. Me? This is embarrassing. Um there's settings. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. There we go. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Chris, how do you feel about Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill becoming one of the most popular songs in the country, in the world right now? Um, I only caught the last part of that sentence, but that is, it's, that's a very popular song right now, isn't it, sir? I was asking how you specific, how you specifically feel about it as someone who has been oh. talking that song up for 
a while now for well, t- 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 uh, you're the one that introduced the song to me so it's about time and, and i know i know there is there is a little bit of consternation from us from us old folks every time that the younger generation find out about you know an old thing mm-hmm. um there's always a little bit of irritation it seems and i feel like we just can't help it you just you just can't help it but no i, I mean that kicks ass that's a it's a fucking incredible song and um it just means that we can't use it as our intro song anymore because everyone will think we're copying strange things. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that sucks because <laughs> i really wanted to i wrote some of the lyrics and like but you know merlene was the choice we had to go with it felt more um it was a funnier joke <laughs> yeah yeah um and i think running up that hill was always a uh supernatural thing in my mind that always fit more with supernatural. It, oh yes i mean it certainly was and i think when we didn't use it for that i was like oh but i could use this <laughs> i could, I could use merlin. it for something else but now Arthur now it's gone forever merlin's up to, you know now we can't yeah. possibly use it so yeah unless we give it a um another couple of years i haven't seen um I haven't any of stranger things beyond season one and i feel like i just oh. said that to you no, I don't think so. Did we already talk about this? Are we are we just repeating? Dude, stuff? there's no. We we're just saying last week how we only repeat ourselves. So, uh, last night I slept for I think four hours. Uh-huh. Right. So, like anyone listening to this, if 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 I was weird during the episode you just listened to, that's why it's because I slept for four hours and now I th- I'm a little crazy at the moment. Um, I'm googling <laughs> this morning how to be normal when you don't sleep. <laughs> <'Cause>, you know <laughs> how every time that Chris is a little sleepy, his whole world falls apart. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't know what it is why, or why I couldn't sleep. I think it was just hot, you know, one of those things. But mm-hmm. last night at like midnight, they announced that they were, they would be continuing the Berserk manga. So for people listening, the, you know, Jeremy and I've talked about Berserk in the, in the outtakes a number of times. Um, but the, the creator, Kentaro Miura, he, he passed away last year. It's been just over a full year, I believe. And now his assistants and his close friend have announced that they're going to continue the story and, and finish it out. Um, there was a lot of questions at the time when he first passed away, like, will they continue? And it seemed like the answer was no. Um, but from reading the letters that they posted, it just seems like his assistants, who obviously they worked on the manga just as much as he did after a certain point, um, they really wanted to continue doing it, um, and and they have the they have the technical skill to do so because they trained directly under him. And then uh, the other letter was from uh, his close friend of forty years, who was like, "Yeah, he told me how Berserk was going to end. I know there's plenty of things. It's not going to be as good as if he did it himself, but I, I want to be able to tell the rest of his story." Um, so I don't know how like the broader internet is reacting to it, but I'm taking it in really good faith that they just sincerely want to finish his story and it means a lot to them as well. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes, but to wrap back up into being tired. So I, you know, I read that last night, like as I'm going to sleep, I don't know if that somehow kept me up, but, um, then this morning in the discord, Wayne posted, um, like a 20 page, like manga chapter done by Mira's friend of 40 years and it's mm-hmm. about him going to Mira's funeral and then reflecting back on their friendship over the years and it like i'm like bawling i'm like, like all teared up reading this thing and then um the exact same thing happens when i watch merlin i just the, the lack of sleep has just made me extremely emotional i will say um it just berserk in general 
um, is is such a huge and sprawling series. Like it's, mm-hmm. I could see why people told me to read it for so many years, but I can also see why people like we're we're also like maybe don't read it because it's so. Yeah. It's one of those like things that I've experienced within the last maybe two or three months that people have been experiencing for decades, right? Because this has been an ongoing series like for right. most of the people's lives at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on volume 28. And the thing that happens in volume 28 I, that I think is about to happen just based on some, some context clues is all of my, all of, all of the good guys, all of the protagonists are going to get on a boat. Huh. Yeah. Um, and the thing, like the three things that I've heard about berserk is that it is, um, ruthlessly violent, like that it was over the top violent, that it inspired a lot of from software games, a lot of dark souls, demon souls, bloodborne kind of stuff. Um, and that the boat part is real boring. Um, and everybody said like the boat part is real boring. Like it would happen at the very beginning. I've been waiting for this fucking boat to show up for like <laughs> 18 to 27 volumes now. And I've yeah. just, I'm just so shocked that it's like volume 28 is what I, these people I were talking about. The, the boat arcs <clears throat> biggest crime is that it's right before something that you've been waiting for, for a long time. Um, but more than that, it's that that's when the chapters, the releases became like unbearably infrequent. Like you'd get like one or two chapters a year. And so you're checking in so infrequently and being like, but they're still on this fucking boat. But I think if you're just like cruising through a couple of volumes, like in a week, like it's not going to be a big deal. You'll, you'll get through it and you'll get to the other side and you'll be good to go. I don't even remember what happens in the boat arc because i read it all to catch up to wherever well, they were in volume 30 something when i finally caught up mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and since then i've reread some of the early uh manga and i've watched every anime adaptation that there is more than once um so i have a very like fam- you know i'm very familiar with the golden age arc and even like the black swordsman arc and and the whatever millennium falcon <laughs> arc whatever the fuck it's called um because I saw the anime of it more than once. So it's just like it's fresh in my mind. But then it gets to a certain point where there's no more anime adaptation. I'm like, fuck, I really don't remember. So I need to I need to reread stuff ASAP. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it, it, I feel like it holds up. Like, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. Um, it's it's real weird. And uh, I, it's I, I think we've talked before about like there's a weird section where like a couple of uh, minor characters show up and they're like comedy relief throughout the panels which mm-hmm. is really really distracting um, i always wonder it's like is that the kind of thing that mira likes just because you know that's just a sense of humor or whatever or th- these certain things that are requested by an editor um that's like you, okay you need to lighten it up you need to put this in there you need to put that in there i know that editors have a, have a lot of control over manga not sure that they would with a series like berserk that's like 30 years going yeah and like it's clearly and, and like this huge, guy hugely so, popular. I yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of that really, but yeah, it is. It is very jarring sometimes. You're like, okay, especially it's, if it, you don't like read other manga, right? Like, yeah, if, if this is like this is, and then it's like, well, okay, we get these like shonen boy, um, goofy gags going on, and it's not even like a serious. Like, I, I think I've, I've said before that it's distracting. Um, but the thing that's really irking me now is that. It's it's distracting because they write the text so small because it's supposed to be like, I guess these little fairy dudes like kind of talking under oh, yeah. everybody yeah, else's yeah, conversation. Yeah. But on an iPad, like on the digital copies you buy from Amazon, the resolution isn't like 
super incredible, right? Like these are some pretty, mm-hmm. like even the two page spreads, like in normal, like modern day comic books, I say modern day, but like in Western comic books uh, that you would get from Comixology or Marvel Unlimited, like they combine those two pages so you can kind of see them together. Like that's out. This, these are just straight up scans, right? Um, mm-hmm. But like the resolution is just low enough. Like you have to kind of like zoom in to read it. And so I've just gotten to the oh, point yeah. where I'm just completely ignoring it now. Yeah, skip the gags. Skip yeah. the gags. You don't I, need I, it. I feel like there's a there will come a day when like if I ever reread this, I will be like more interested in that stuff. But as of mm-hmm. right now, like I'm so focused on the story of guts and like the armor and um is it Strayed the Witch? Streed? Stride? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so focused on the characters and the story and what's happening with, you know, Casca and that weird child that showed up and then disappeared and all this mm. other stuff that I'm just like, I can't, I can't quite focus on like the, the dump jokes and stuff. Yeah. Um, especially you've been, you've been powering through too. Like you've been reading a lot. I, it took me, I don't know, um, probably two years to, to, pick up and then catch up or start the yeah i think i read me, i mean i did read uh, while i was traveling so like i read like maybe nine volumes mm-hmm. i think on, in like three days <laughs> so that that helped <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a couple of days that i had some downtime at the house and i didn't feel like playing video games um boy i had that i had that feeling real bad this week chris uh i bought a video game and it was uh it ran poorly and mm. i was really disappointed and i was so disappointed by it that uh i went and i found the developers discord um, and then I, I popped in the discord and they had like a channel for Xbox specific issues. And then they just had a general bugs channel. And, uh, I posted in the Xbox, like real polite, like I'm not trying to blast anybody or anything. I'm just like, Hey, is anybody else seeing this? Like, have you gotten any tips? Like I've tried rebooting my console, but blah, blah, blah. And then like five people were like, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. And then yeah. I went to the bug section and like, people are like, can't finish, you know, I'm 75% of the game and I've got a bug and I can't progress anymore. So I guess that save file is done. I got to start a new one. And I'm like, ah, no, absolutely not. So uh, for the first time ever, I have requested a refund for a video game. Wow. Hey, sometimes you got to do it. Maybe in a couple months they'll, they'll fix it and it, it'll be good to go again. But um, speaking of video games, I guess. Okay. God, I'm I'm. I feel a little loopy. I'm I'm sleepy. But I'm excited to talk about Merlot. Don't worry. Um, I was just rewatching the Resident Evil Four remake trailer. Um, it feels like that. Did you watch the PlayStation thing the other day last week? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I know I love Resident Evil. I love Resident Evil Four specifically, but I didn't know how excited I was going to be <laughs> to see that. Um, and so, just rewatching that trailer just got me super hyped up again, which reminded me that we did play Resident Evil Two and Three. Um, was it? It's uh, youtube.com slash monster of the week. You can watch those monster <laughs> of the plays. week, monster of the week podcast. It was what they made us That's use our URL for. So. Um, yeah, we, we finished three, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did all animations run. Um, cause I, spe- I specifically <laughs> remember right. that, right. that last boss killed me in ways that you and the Twitch chat had never seen before. Cause I was just yeah. so poorly playing. Streaming on Twitch uh, and keeping a running commentary, like talking to you and also like paying attention to chat, makes me bad at video games. Not that I'm oh, like it's very particularly... difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah, and just like watching, like watching other people do it, like the the Lobos Juniors of the world, or um, I watch a lot of um, GPB play Mario and just keep up a running string of conversation by themselves and play super hard video games constantly. And I'm like, you just mm-hmm. how? How do you how do you pay this yeah. much attention? My brain can't do that anymore. Um, I guess it is a skill. Maybe we got to give these Twitch streamers more respect. But let's um, eh, no, not go too far. I hope that we could uh, we could play Resident Evil Four 
we weren't able to do the original. We tried to stream that, but the audio was all crazy. Yes. Since we were streaming directly mm-hmm. from the PlayStation 4, you couldn't turn down the music. So every combat scenario, you can't hear anything but the music. You can't hear our voices or anything. So that was a bummer. Um, then we tried Resident Evil 5, right? But then the damn connection issues wouldn't let us play. Yeah, because 5 was the co-op game, and then we just could not. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a... Um, we might we may actually need to try that again one day, because uh, we should. I had I had poor uh, router stuff happening at that time, and like that stuff has been fixed since then. So that, that could be the problem. Um, but also, like it would we would have no internet problems whatsoever, and I would just disappear from your game, or you would disappear from mine. It was mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. bizarre. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I, and I started uh, 7... Seven's the one in Louisiana, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So I started seven without you. Um, and the then, fact that you haven't like played seven or that we haven't played seven is like crazy. It's, it's crazy like, to me. You, get, you get to like so poke good. at all the Louisiana stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and we I, and I feel like I, something came along and distracted me, and I was and I just decided like I'm just gonna play this with Chris one day. Like we just have to do that. So. Did you ever play? Did you play eight on your own? No, no. I, 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 okay. I get I get so weirdly caught up in these games because I'm like, well, I can't play eight because it's the, it's the sequel to seven, right, even though these right. don't necessarily like, you know, two and three don't necessarily tie directly into any of this. So like, it doesn't really really matter. But also like this one's a direct continuation from the story. So like, I okay, oh, play eight till I play seven, and now this you know the remake of four I think will be fun. That that'll be a good time. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm glad the it seems like they're taking a more serious tone with it because. I think a game that fully replaced the original Resident Evil 4 would kind of bum me out because I love that game so much. It's so much fun. Um, that yeah, it would it would be kind of it would be kind of a drag to think like okay, we have a newer, better version of it, and I have no reason to ever go back to the old one. Yeah. So yeah, because the new one seems like it's going in a very different like direction tonally. Um, I'm hoping that they there will still be merit for not just me to replay the old one, but for other people to to want to play both. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's a great game. It's it's really fun. And it's but like yeah, and the, it runs on everything, right? Like you can find you yeah, know, it's on literally everything. Yeah. You can probably play it on your damn phone at this point. <laughs> like, you probably can. Everything. Yeah. For you know, eighteen ninety nine a month, you can play Resident Evil Four on your iOS sixteen device. <laughs> but it's we. It seems like with I think it was the end of three that made me start thinking that they're trying to build out this like Resident Evil cinematic universe because. Even with you know recurring characters and themes and bad guys and all that stuff, some of the games really always did seem sort of disconnected from the other. Like take four for example. <laughs> like four is just like this action comedy romp out on an island somewhere. Like it doesn't make any damn sense. Um, it seems like with the the remakes, they're sort of threading them together a little bit more closely. Um, there's something in I have you know absolutely no confirmation. Didn't look this up at all. But there was something in the Resident Evil Four remake trailer that reminded me of something in Resident Evil 8. And I'm like, oh, are they going to you know, tie these things back into each other a little bit more? Um, but even as I say, you know, Resident Evil Cinematic Universe, uh, I just think, oh, well, they're doing that new Netflix live action show that isn't related to any of this. It's like a future, like alternate reality type thing where Albert Wesker is a dad or something. It's like, which I, you know, I'm willing to give that show the benefit of the doubt because I, what do I have to lose at this point? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> and there's somebody, there's somebody interesting in that too. I can't remember. There's an actor that's interesting in that that I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah um, I can't remember anybody in any of these things. But then they have all those animated series on Netflix. I haven't seen any of them. I'll be honest. I haven't I know, seen the any CGI of them. The ones are supposed to be ridiculous, like ridiculous yeah. and fun. Like, like I've seen, I've seen the old old CGI ones, but none of the newer ones that they've made. Remember, this kid in high school was like, "Hey, Mosier." You gotta borrow this. It's sick. And it was the first Resident Evil CGI movie or whatever, starring Leon and Claire. 
I was like, okay. And I do remember watching it and liking it because I was 15 or 16. But at the same time, I was like, oh, that that was sort of dumb, but okay. <laughs> Little did I know that, that would be the trajectory of the rest of the that's, series. And that's, that's your whole life. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Merlin? Yeah. Do I sound insane? Not at all. You're good. Can you, can you tell I'm a little unhinged? Not at all. I mean, you okay, sound good. perfectly normal to me. Like, you're always a little unhinged when you get on the podcast. So, so true. If anything, so true. I feel like I'm not bringing the normal amount of energy. I'm, I, don't, I don't know why, but I started, when we got on the, on, the, on the mic, I started feeling like little, like low energy so, for some reason. For the sometimes weird. that happens. You're just like, I don't really feel like talking right now. Yeah, man. Let's just not, let's just fucking not, not let's just, just not talk. Let's just fucking not talk. Uh, yeah. Dude. We'll just say, all right, guys, this is a good episode. It was good. It was good. Go watch it. Just watch it. it. Just, just go watch just it. Just go watch it. Talk just amongst, go watch it. Talk amongst your we'll friends. See. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in season two. We'll be in season two. Don't worry. We'll be back. Just give us a gimme. Just give us a gimme. Yeah, you know? Just come on. It's one. It is a good one. It's all right. It's good. Yeah. It's just one. I mean, if you want my detailed thoughts about it, I could spend an hour talking about it, but I guess that's why you're here in the first place at the end of this hour and a half podcast. Uh, Yeah. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) 